Hello and welcome back to the Shadow Work Library. I'm Jessica DePotsy, and for the next at least 44 shows, I'm going to take you through this series that covers the spectrum of negative patterns in the human experience. Today we're going to tackle a very topical shadow. And this is something that's coming up in huge ways these days, and I'd imagine that each and every one of you listening is feeling this impact, whether it's seeing it for yourself or in your families, or at the very least in politics, global politics. And that's the shadow of self-obsession. Now we're going to be contemplating a couple of different words, conformity versus rebellion. And like all of these delightful shadows, they seem like they're total opposites, right? Conformity versus rebellion. But like many of these shadows, they're rooted in the same fear which is actually really beautiful as it brings us back to that truth that we're all connected and a lot more similar than we might realize or might want to admit, especially when things are crunchy like they are now. And for those of you following along, I'm continuing along with this Ring of Humanity series. And if you didn't catch the beginning of that on episode 20, it's episode 20, 21, and this one is 22. It's a combination of shadows and gifts that transform into a representation of the mythical story of what it means to be human. And it goes like this. Wounded from the outset, you must do battle with your shadows, overcome the limitations of your mind, surrender your need to control life, and find your true self before you can awaken. So it's a six-part series. We're on three now. And I decided to go a little out of order because this one that we're covering today, it covers that finding your true self portion of that. It's so timely. So I hope you don't mind. But for the next one, I will be back in order. Anyway, let's get right to it. Now, the majority of people in the Western world seem to be preoccupied with how we feel, how we look, what kind of job we have. But this shadow also goes much deeper than that vanity. Well, it does cover that. It it does go deeper than that. Like all of our shadows, self-obsession is driven by fear. And it's a specific kind of fear an unconscious kind of fear of losing your identity. This has evolved from the early hominids experience with the shadow, which I'd imagine was very purposeful because taking care of your body before yours so that you can survive is a good way to ensure survival. It's pretty simple. Self-obsession ensures individual survival by putting its own safety before everyone else's. Today, that same notion could be called self-love even, which is that really amazing cornerstone of human individuality that starts with our most immediate environment, which is our physical bodies. But the shift in this self-care becoming more of an existential issue comes with the development of our our neocortex, that part of our brain that can reflect on having a mind, which is so wild. This is probably when we started to ask ourselves that amazingly big question, who am I? Richard Rudd states in his book, The Gene Keys, that before that question of who am I, humans probably lived in a state of naturalness, but only in the sense that they are more part of the animal kingdom and that there's a lot we can learn about this shadow from the animal kingdom. But today we're not going to cover that. We are going to cover how this shows up for us today. This pattern has us constantly trying to figure out who we are. It has us trying to form an identity and even break away from an identity, keeping us locked in. This is why finding yourself in transitional periods can be so difficult, because even when you're doing something new that you really want to be doing, 
shifting your perception of your identity can be so challenging. And in our urgency to get an answer to that question, who am I? If this message feels very alive to you, you might be that kind of person that's urgent, feels like there's an urgency to this question, which I get, believe me. We can create this endless journey of self-discovery, which can feel like you're chasing your own tail. Now, this shadow isn't all bad. It still has a purpose, and its purpose is to create more unity. The more different we each allow ourselves to be, the more we operate in unity, which is a paradox, because only through diversity can we arrive at this unity, and that does require a level of individual differentiation. But here's a dilemma. If we don't discover our own identity, we can't break out of it and we can't transcend it. And finding out who you are can make you obsessed with your own uniqueness and how to find it. And that is bringing us to the big issue of today that we're seeing all over the news, in our families, in our communities, maybe even in our own psyches, and that's of division. In this shadow state, there are two types of people. We have our reactives and our repressives. Those who follow the crowd at all costs and those who try to escape the crowd at all costs. If somebody has called you a sheep or a conspiracy theorist based on your opinion of the situation that shall not be named, you're either experiencing the shadow or you're experiencing this projection of the shadow from others. It's very, very crunchy. Now, through the lens of the shadow, all we can see is how people should change, which obviously makes it extremely difficult to appreciate and accept the uniqueness of each individual, which would get us closer to unity. And that's why this division is feeling like it's getting so big. The internal expression of this fear, the repressive type of this fear, could be termed self-denying. This fear of losing one's identity turned inward creates a real lack of self-love and a deficient intuitive center to anchor yourself into. And so if this is you, you might be getting triggered by terms like being a sheep, a zombie, a conformist, because self-denial does turn into an unreasonable amount of conformity. So it's always important to pay attention to the terms that trigger you. These types of people have a tendency to focus on everyone and everything but themselves and live lives through others in a perpetual state of compromise, which makes them prime targets for propaganda. Now, there is a flip side to that too, of course. The reactive expression, the external expression of fear of losing one's identity could be termed narcissistic. So if you've been called selfish in this situation or or you're triggered by that word selfish in this situation, This may be something you're experiencing or experiencing the projection of. So these are your rebels trying to exclude others out of fear of losing their identity to society in general. It's living in this paranoia that the world or large organizations are in it simply to rob them of their right to freedom. And in doing this, they're locked into their own propaganda, their personal propaganda, and our prime targets for conspiratorial thinking. Now, I know it's a lot. As somebody personally who naturally relates more to the latter, specifically in this context, this was an interesting shadow for me to contemplate. And I had to ask myself, as I was feeling very confused about the thing, honestly, am I falling into a basic narrative of my community? Am I thinking for myself? You know, am I outraged? Am I confused? 
what are my thoughts on the whole thing on death? What are my thoughts on individual freedoms versus social constructs? And that's not to say you shouldn't have an opinion. You absolutely should. So much of this is just realizing, though, how we're being influenced. And at that point, once we understand the biases of every situation that we're ever encountered with, I don't think that sentence made sense, but you know what I'm saying, (laughs) and how much bias and persuasion there is in every bit of language we hear and speak ourselves, the more aware we can become of that, the better off we are able to make our own choices. I'm going to link to this really amazing video that I stumbled across. Um, It's by Rebel Wisdom, and it highlights Daniel Schmottenberger, who speaks to making sense of the confusion of 2021. And he goes on to say that some people believe things because of the aesthetics or because of the rest of their community that believes it. Some people just like to be agreeable. Some people just like to be disagreeable. And so the real question becomes, can I notice my own bias Can I understand other perspectives? Can I understand how I'm being influenced because of wanting approval and not wanting to be outgrouped? It's what they call sense-making. And the cool part is, is while it does require some work and can have you feeling very heavy, all of this is exactly the process of transforming self-obsession into that gift of naturalness. A state of confusion is a necessary evil. And the goal here is naturalness. It's being It's showing up and having your own essence and your own opinion and having naturalness and being just be a non-issue. Having authenticity be a non-issue. It's just it is and life is easy and you are in flow with your values. Richard Rudd lays out five phases of this process in the Gene Keys to help us solve this identity crisis, which I really like. So I'm going to go through them here. First is this realization, this epiphany that you can't be defined by any kind of label. We've all had that realization. I'm not my name. I'm not my actions. Am I my feelings? No. Am I my thoughts or beliefs? We realize that we're something greater than that. What it is, well, that's to be determined. But then the second phase comes in, and this comes with this deep inner questioning where you start to isolate yourself and hermit yourself in in some sense from your previous responsibilities and you give yourself that time and space to understanding your own nature a little bit more and this phase can take a really long time and it can actually be very adventurous and thrilling because this is where we can become stuck in that frequency of self-obsession and that never-ending quest for self-knowledge and spirituality but at a certain point that phase ends and then you start to let go of all that searching as you realize the futility, the absurdity of trying to find something that's so clearly indefinable. And that part can be challenging as well because we're getting rid of those new constructs that that we may have identified with, which gave you that security. Maybe it was a new form of spirituality you found or a new, new tool or a new set of books or a new community, a new hobby. It's disidentifying with that. It's letting go of those as constructs And now creating this metaphorical business card that has a trillion things on it. The fourth stage is a rebirth stage. And this is when you start to externalize what's really inside you for the first time in your life. You show up in crowds and you're feeling purposeful. You're in your aloneness and you feel purposeful. You feel almost divinely relaxed as you begin to really feel natural for the first time. And as you can imagine, it does take time. I think this is why so many of us are so awkward for a very long time. 
it takes a while to start to feel natural. Now, the fifth and final phase is when you make your individualized and your differentiated self of service. You make yourself of service and you bring something entirely new into the world based on your higher self, whatever it is. It doesn't even need to be tangible. It's just an energy that represents the true beauty that lies within an individual that found their own personal expression in the world. And he concludes by saying that naturalness is the simplest of things in life. It magically appears when you decide to stop arguing with life. And that's a really important keynote there. You need to argue with life in order to stop arguing with it. So you can't skip those steps. The adversity of thinking that you know who you are and then blowing that up and then rebuilding your identity just to blow it up again and replace it with the naturalness of just being is part of the human experience. And no matter where you are in it now, it's the perfect place. Just remember what we most desire as a collective when we look at the internal versus the external manifestations of this fear of losing our identity is that all these sides want is unity when it comes down to it. And maybe they've misinterpreted unity as everyone being the same way. But the truth of that matter is that the only way that we can come to the point of unity is if we see the beauty and the uniqueness of other humans on earth, not despite their differences, but because of their differences and to protect the sanctity of diversity. On the next Shadow Work Library submission, I'm getting back on schedule and I'll cover the shadow of opinion and how it transforms into the gift of farsightedness. So if you have a tendency to be overly opinionated, or on the other hand, self-critical, this is going to be a great show for you. Now, before I go, I wanted to thank Gayla, who reached out requesting that I use language that's more inclusive of non-binary people. I think that's a super idea. Didn't even think of it. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but if you have any advice for me, just shoot me a message on Instagram at jessicadepotsy underscore. If you just want to say hi, that'd be awesome too. I'd love to meet people online like that. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe, but not too safe. And we will talk again soon. Let us all say-